Welcome to Audacity Works, a podcast inspired by and dedicated to the working artist, the creative entrepreneur, and generally doing the damn thing. This exists on the premise that the world belongs to those who have the audacity to believe that their lives have value. This is for you. Welcome to Audacity Works. I'm your host, Rachel Strickland, and this is episode number 31, in which I'm talking about artist residencies. So what is an artist residency? In its most simplistic terms, uh, an artist residency is designated time and space to work. And there is no one way uh, to do an artist residency. There's all kinds of different flavors. I'm going to tell you about a few of them. I actually did them before I even knew what they were. Um, So let's take a little journey back in time, shall we? Uh, uh, there's a working artist residency, which, um, I experienced at the pink door in Seattle where I performed for four years as a resident artist. Um, the pink door is an Italian restaurant run by a brilliant creative and magical woman named Jackie Roberts. And, uh, that was my first aerial gig and I found it on Craigslist. <laughs> so yeah, it was a gig. Uh, I performed every week. Um, when I was in town. And if not, then there was a sub that would come in. And um, I got that job off of Craigslist. I swear, like, I don't underestimate the power of Craigslist for good or for ill. Just a note. But that was kind of an incredible find for me. It was a wonderful opportunity, gave me a lot of freedom Uh, Because Jackie believes in artists and she believes in letting artists be artists. She's like, I just want you to do do what you do. Um, Be as weird as you want. And Jackie loves weird and I am weird. So it was a really good match. And that kind of residency meant that I knew that I had work. Uh, I had a paying gig that I could perform at every week. Uh, I could try out all kinds of new material. I could try out new concepts, new costumes, whatever I wanted uh, and, and I knew that it would be there for me. And if I needed to go on tour, which I frequently did, I knew that it would be there when I got home. So uh, yeah, it was pretty freaking wonderful. So something like that is what I would classify as a working artist residency, like artist in residence. Uh, and that is just one flavor So that was designated time and space uh, in exchange for money to uh, try out new material. Another kind of artist residency that I also had in in, uh, Seattle, which I didn't really realize was a residency until many years later, was my time at Emerald City Trapeze Arts. Um, Myself and Emerald City Trapeze Arts both arrived in Seattle at the same exact time. So I wandered into this empty building Uh, And I met the owner, Gary Kirkland, who became a good friend of mine and is still a dear friend of mine. And over the next four years, I worked at Emerald City Trapeze Arts. I I taught classes and I performed in the shows. And I, again, just got to try out whatever weird, insane, sometimes wonderful, sometimes terrible ideas that came into my brain uh, because there was a stage and we did hold regular shows and that, after a fashion, was also being an artist in residence. We didn't call it that at the time, but I can see now that that is what it was. And how does that differ from like, hey, I work at this studio, and I'm also in the shows that they put on, and this is my community. It doesn't. It's the same thing. Uh, it's just another way of summarizing 
it because is it designated time and space to work on your craft? Yes. Now, the reason that I wanted to uh, take this subject on is because I didn't know what an artist residency was until like not in the not too distant past. I didn't know that such a thing existed. I think that it's a lot more uh, widespread as a practice if you have been involved in academia in any way uh, that it's well known uh, to be a thing that one does. I haven't been anywhere around academia since 2005 when I got graduated uh, from college with a bachelor degree. So um, yeah, I didn't know about it. Didn't know it was a thing. And I certainly, if I had known it was a thing, I I wouldn't have guessed that it was a thing in the way that it is for performing artists. So I'm going to get into that as well. So it turns out that there's this thing called artist residencies, which are designated time and space. And they're hosted all over the world. And generally, you apply for them. And to apply for them, you generally need an artist statement as well as a statement of like intention. What do you intend to use the time and space for? And evidence of your work, your por- your portfolio. And different residencies look for different things. So it's really about finding one that is a good match for you. And remember, it is not your job to decide if you are a good match for it. Uh, It's your job to apply for things, not to decide, oh, they won't want me or blah, blah, blah. That's bullshit. So just stop that. Um, Your job is to apply. So find the ones that interest you if it does indeed interest you and apply for them. Applying for things in itself is a skill set. You know, just one more to add to your list of 50,000 things that you now need to learn how to do um, as a working artist. I went through um, a slew of applications once I learned this is in fact a thing that exists, and it exists for performing artists as well. And I, I wanted the more traditional experience of an artist residency where I would go somewhere away from my home and have lots of time and space, and have my needs cared for by someone else. So not a working artist residency where I was getting paid to deliver a product um, in exchange for also getting to try out new material, but I wanted the experience of an artist residency where there was no focus on the outcome or product at all. And this was only a couple of years ago. So I found a couple of those, uh, and I started applying for them, and applying was not a skill that I had. Uh, It's not a skill that I had needed to use. I had applied for one piece of funding, um, which isn't really much of a thing in the United States, but I had done it, and it was a lot of work, and they said no to me, and uh, they didn't give me any um, feedback as to why, Uh, so I kind of just turned around and walked the other way. I'm like, this is stupid. That was such a waste of time. But this, this was very tasty. I'm like, okay, I want to learn this skill because artist residencies sound freaking dope. And I want to experience them in the more traditional way. So I tried my hand at the application. I looked at it. I'm like, I don't know if this is good or not. So I, um, I sought the wisdom of my friends, most notably my friend Ross Travis, the actor, clown, and acrobat who I met in San Francisco, and we got to work together in several of the kinetic arts productions out of Oakland. And what was so odd about meeting Ross was that we hadn't met yet. 
we had both been living and working in San Francisco for years. And we were like, hey, why haven't I seen you before? Because Ross is amazing. <laughs> like, yeah. And for the first production that we were uh, working in together at Kinetic Arts, um, I was a choreographer as well as a performer. So I, I got to take part in um, the auditions. I had to audition for the part of performer. I already knew that I was going to be choreographer, but I was auditioning as well as a performer. And then after the auditions, it was really strange because like I was on the floor for the auditions and then I just walked my happy ass over to the table and sat down in deliberation with with the director, Jaron Hollander and and T.T. Robson. And we decided, you know, um, who who are we going to invite? And one of the acrobats was Ross Travis. Um, and... I remember seeing him up on this like big foam cube, just doing an exercise like, and it was an acting exercise. I'm like, holy balls that this man is compelling AF. And I talked to him afterwards. I'm like, you were really good at that. And he was like, um, thank you. Uh, and went on to tell me that he had a lot of experience in, in acting and was a trained actor. And I'm like, okay, well, that was magical. Thank you. So this is many years later, of course, but I knew that Ross had had a lot of success getting getting funding from several places. I knew that he had had artist residencies before and was just generally really good at applying for things and then getting them. So uh, I enlisted his help. He looked over my applications. It was hilarious. We exchanged many, many notes. And the result of which I, I learned a great deal about writing an application uh, and if you're interested, that can perhaps be be another episode. I don't want to get too, too far into it here, but I got help and I would advise anyone to do the same. If you've never written an application for anything and you need to write an application, uh, don't assume that you're going to be great at it. Like it's a skill. So enlist the brains of your friends. So in the end, I did finish that application and I got several rejections, added them to the pile and I also got an acceptance into my first artist residency in the more traditional sense, which meant I had to apply for something. And when they said yes, it meant that I got to go away, somewhere away from my home. I had to get myself there. But once I was there, I had a room to myself. Uh, it was a three-week residency, and this was for the Atlantic Center for the Arts, uh, which is in Florida. It's a lovely little uh, pocket of artists and creativity in you know the deep red sea of florida and this residency used to be subsidized um, but it still incurred a fee but because of covid uh, that had been revised by the board and no artist um, needed to pay a fee so it there was no fee in most traditional residencies of this type are for no money like you're you're applying for this uh, privilege of time and space, dedicated time and space uh, away from home to work on your work. And no, you don't usually have to pay for it. But one of the best parts about that residency for me was that all of my needs were met. I didn't have to focus on survival. And I do mean food. For three weeks, I didn't have to prepare any meals for myself. They were all done. Like there was a cafeteria. There was a wonderful chef who was also an artist named Lexa Walsh. And she would prepare meals every day. 
lunch and dinner and breakfast was available. Like it, it was a kind of a continental thing, like choose your own adventure. So a great deal of my mental energy in my everyday life is spent on uh, choosing food and preparing food. And I, I like to cook. I make all my own meals, like pretty much every single thing that we eat, I make. So for three weeks, for that to not be a thing was huge for me. So that residency, I really got to experience uh, the full potential of designated time and space in, in the truest meaning of the word. And the result was a massive spike in output, not product, because that residency in particular, and I loved this about it, was not focused on a product. Lots of residencies will be focused on a product and they'll want you to give something back at the end, like a, a public showing of a work in progress, or perhaps to teach a workshop. That's very, very common. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just that that's not what I wanted. I just wanted process-based time and space. And that is what I got. Uh, and two full pieces came out of that time. Uh, one was Teeth, which my patrons know about, and I'm going to be performing that in Ireland in July at the Irish Aerial Dance Festival. And another was a piece called Blood Meal, which was a collaborative multimedia project with digital artist Katina Bitsakas. Um, we became close, fast, and very easy friends. And uh, we we created this project together. And because Katina is a badass, it's been in over seven national exhibitions and we're installing it again in January in Wilmington, North Carolina. So lots of, lots of work and lots of creativity and just like a huge spike, uh, very effusive in how the work was able to be processed because it's literally all I had to do. I didn't have to cook. I didn't have to meal prep. All I had to do was show up to the studio and think and then apply myself. And it, it was, um, yeah, it was pretty freaking wonderful. So that is an artist residency in the more traditional sense of the word. Um, although there's just, there's so many different flavors of residencies, but they all involve dedicated time and space. And the, the lengths as well, um, they can vary from, I don't know, three days to, to several months. And there's all kinds. So take a little journey there on the interwebs and see if you can find something that strikes your fancy. Some of them will cost money at a subsidized rate. Um, some of them, well, usually at a subsidized rate. Uh, some of them will cost no money. Some of them will give you money. Some of them come with money as part of the designated time and space. Sometimes residencies, uh, I know in particular the residencies offered out of the Irish Aerial Creation Center in Limerick, uh, run by Fidget Feet Aerial Dance, of course. Uh, they offer several different kinds of residencies, and I think one of them at least used to and probably still does offer funding as as part of that. And that funding uh, in particular for for the Irish Aerial Creation Center is meant to be used for a creative mentor or director to come in and work with you. And part of the reason I wanted to talk about this today is because I'm leaving for a residency in in two days. I'm recording this on Tuesday. Uh, it'll be released tomorrow morning, and then the next morning, Thursday, uh, June 1st, I'm going on residency, and I found a residency just here in my backyard. Not literally my backyard, uh, but up in Somerville, which is about a 45-minute drive. It's called South Porch Residency, and it's run by a couple uh, who moved here from San Francisco 
And um, that one is offered at an extremely subsidized rate. Um, I think it's it's just paltry. You know, there no one's making money. It's basically just to like help us keep the refrigerator running price. But because they were so close, uh, when I found them, I wrote them right away and they wrote me back and I'm like, okay, we're going to go check it out. So me and Manflesh drove up to Somerville. Uh, we met Brian and Brad, the couple that runs the residency. And uh, we struck up a time when it might be good for me to come, uh, which is during an off time. So that again is South Porch residency. If you live in South Carolina or anywhere nearby, or if you even want to visit, uh, I would look up South Porch artists.org. I can put that in the show notes. And that residency is largely attended by visual artists. And that's something that you're going to find significantly is that um, when most people think of the word artist, they think of a painter, right? It's just something that happens uh, in everyone's brains because of how we've been exposed to art. And Yeah, it can be annoying at times, but really it's just something to acknowledge and negotiate with. Uh, So most artist residencies aren't going to necessarily be designed with the performing artist in mind, which is why uh, in the case of the residency I'm going to on Thursday, I need to go and see the space to make sure that I can even use it. Because if, if the space is just meant for a visual artist, it might be like a dirty studio on a concrete floor, which is not gonna help me much. Um, however, the studio was like big and, uh, quite beautiful and the, the floor was smooth. So I'm like, I can work with this. And especially because I don't have to get on a plane to benefit from this residency. So I was super into that. But, um, most artists residencies are not necessarily designed for the performing artists, but there are all, many, many that are, uh, and many designed for actors and for writers and for musicians and not, not just visual artists, but certainly including visual artists. So there's a lot out there. Uh, and if you know to look for it, and now you do, because you've listened to this whole episode, and thank you for that. Uh, if if any of this seems intriguing to you, like, that sounds amazing. I want to go somewhere for like five days or five weeks or whatever just to focus on your shit, then go find it, learn the skill of applying, uh, go forth and conquer. Things to consider when you're looking for um, a residency is what do you need? Like what are the facilities that you need to explore your work uh, in the most um, direct and engaging way for you? Make a list of those things, uh, make sure that the residency has them on offer or are willing to acquire them for you. Think about what you desire or what you need in terms of solitude and privacy. Like, do you like shrink up and wilt when you're alone all the time? Do you need to be involved in a group? Uh, Because there's that's certainly offered Uh, lots of group residencies in places where you you have your own privacy, but there's also a big community factor where you help to prepare meals together. Uh, there's a community garden and perhaps um, showings of works in progress uh, to the other members of the residency. So it's less about does what you want exist, because it probably does, and more about do you know what you want and need to make an artist residency um, a really good experience. And as a final note, I just want to be really clear here. You do not have to 
necessarily apply for an artist residency in order to experience one. You can make one yourself. Uh, one, I, I did this myself in 2000 and something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know when it was. Uh, but myself and Meredith Starnes um, were going to create a show called Icarus and take Icarus to uh, the New Orleans French Festival. And we had already applied to the festival and been accepted, even though the show didn't exist. Remember, it doesn't have to exist yet as long as you can supply evidence that you can do the thing that you propose to do. Uh, so we had this show that we needed to make. And Meredith lived in Seattle and I lived in San Francisco. Uh, so I looked around. I knew we needed a space and that we would only have a short amount of time. And I ended up uh, befriending this brilliant woman named Christina, who ran Pole Tenchel in Redwood City, California. And we struck up a bargain where we could come in and use the studio all day uh, when because classes didn't start until um, after work hours. We would use the studio all day, clean up in time for the classes to begin. And then at the end of our residency, uh, we would show a work in progress, which was a, this is product based, like the, the barter was product based that for the students of Potential, we would perform our show in progress, which was actually really, really good because uh, we were then going to perform it in New Orleans like a few days later. So it was very welcome. So it, you, you don't necessarily have to look for something that already exists and apply through any sort of formal channels. You can make one yourself in negotiations with whomever runs a space uh, or something else that you that you would like access to and that would be valuable and you can offer something of value to them as well. So I'm over time. I know I'm over time, but I just I really wanted to make that clear. Like you can make your own residency and you don't even have to involve other people. You can just decide I'm going to carve out this amount of time, turn my phone off, put on an auto responder and focus on my work. I'm going to give myself the experience of an artist residency. You can do that as well. I am going to go now. Thank you so much for your ears and your hearts and for writing into me. You can always reach me on Instagram at Rachel Strickland Creative and on Patreon at Rachel Strickland Creative. An extra special thank you to my wonderful patrons without whom this would not exist. Uh, so thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And may you go out and do whatever it is the hell you want to do. Don't go back to sleep.